watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Stop up. It. Pop has him in the middle. Got Tucker's it. got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit, hit in. Bradley's touchdown! The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It goes to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the base. It is over. The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is on the block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Road, 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app, seen, heard, and everything in between, the mighty QSportsTalk.com. Hello, everybody. Uh, local talk show host reporting for duty. Hope you had a, a terrific weekend. Uh, certainly a lot to discuss after the weekend, Syracuse basketball-wise, uh, both on and off the court, as you have certainly seen by now, as we will get into uh, throughout the course of the program. Super Bowl week is underway. Had a little lacrosse this weekend at the JMA Wireless Dome, a mix of the struggles that will be ever-present in the day-to-day, the game-to-game, but the vision for the future? Gotta say, I liked what I saw on the turf at the Dome in some ways with a lot of work to be done in others because I know everything there is to know about this season after one game, of course. We will get into it all. We will hear from you throughout the show at 437-7644 on the phones, on Twitter, Brent Axe Media. But we mentioned the mighty, magical QSportsTalk.com, a place where you can go, you can watch a radio show as it happens, and you can interact with that radio show while you watch it as it happens. And while all that's happening, when the radio audience goes to commercial break, see what happens is you do not. AQSportsTalk.com. We keep the camera on. We keep the microphone on. We keep talking to you because, well, we just can't quit you. That's why. We love you that much. So you get what I'm saying here, guys? It's like what they said in the in the 60s. It's happening, man. Dino Babers likes to say, it's a happening. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. So make sure you do it. AQSportsTalk.com. Syracuse did win a basketball game this weekend. I think we'll get to that at some point, amongst other things. But as mentioned, uh, it's what Jim Beheim said, and then what Jim Beheim said about what he said that takes command today. All right, so let's let's backtrack a little bit here. Saturday night, I'm not going to say who on the radio because I do love them, but my phone pings. At 12.05 a.m., just as Uncle Brent's about to lay down for a night's rest. Ding! Oh, okay. That's never good when somebody either texts you then or it's like a junk text that comes in. You're like, come on, bro. 
I paid my Spectrum bill this month. Why are you texting me that at 12.05 a.m.? But somebody texted me the article from Pete Thamel, ESPN, formerly of the Post Standard and, of course, Syracuse alum. And in the headline of that piece was Jim Beheim discusses his future. Okay, well, here we go. Pete had a one-on-one interview with Jim after the press conference Saturday. And we'll listen back to a few things said uh, at that presser about the game. And there was a lot in there, to say the least. Jim opining on probably being the key word coming back next year. A 95% approval rating from Syracuse people. Name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal, teams in his league, in his words, later retracted, buying teams, buying players, and just a whole treasure trove of opinions about what a, his his words, awful place college basketball is right now. It was a lot. There's a lot to go over, a lot to take in, and Jim being Jim, let me say this off the top here. I want Jim Beheim's opinion on these things. He's the dean of college basketball coaches. He's seen more than anybody. So when you're going to, in Pete Thamel's case, by the way, Pete, name spelled B-R-E-N-T-A-X-E. Just saying. But when you are Jim Beheim, and, and we're in this transformative world that is changing at an accelerated pace day by day, I want your opinion on But as we have seen since then, he has spent a considerable amount of time backtracking on these things. I mean, to go out there and just flat out say the teams are buying players, A, when they're not. Now, everybody's in the NAL game in some way for transfers in in the world that it is, but it was just flat out wrong. So the dean of not only college basketball coaches, but ACC coaches has to be more responsible about that. I make mistakes every day, right? I I imply things all the time. But see, this was not implied. The statement that Syracuse put out this morning to kind of backtrack and walk back what was said read the following. Quote, I would like to clarify remarks I made in a conversation I had with a media member following our game on Saturday evening. I apologize to the schools I mentioned. I believe the ACC member institutions are in compliance with NCAA rules governing name, image, and likeness. It was not my intention to imply otherwise. I mean, you did imply otherwise. You flat out said they bought players, which, by the way, one of those schools did. It's well documented what Miami did. But to loop two schools in there, fellow ACC schools in there, when it's just not true, you're creating something that's unnecessary. So that becomes a thing. Now, fans are already in a stir about, as we'll get to, about Beheim's status, retirement. He says in there that it's his decision when he comes back, which I don't think anybody should really be surprised by. It's just kind of saying the quiet part out loud. And this all goes 10 different ways. Now, look, sometimes distractions are put out there purposely. Jim Beheim has gone to more press conferences than I can count and maybe picked on a reporter, harpened on something a little bit more than maybe he should because then we're all looking at the shiny thing over here as opposed to you've lost three in a row or whatever the case may be. Well, in this case, they won the game. So through everything that we're about to discuss, and 
everything that it seems he stepped in in just the last week or so. Think about he was asked at a press conference about why his team can't close games. Walks out. Now, media is going to media. Social media is going to media. Anytime something like that happens, it's just throwing meat to the wolves. But that made Sports Center. That air quotes went viral. That's what people were talking about instead of the game. Now, again, I think sometimes these things, either whether intentional or not, it's what commands attention these days. Then there was the press conference exchange, well documented, about Benny Williams, which right there kind of sidebar to that. There was a, a communication issue. Jim Beheim walks in that press conference thinking the media knows something that they did not. That exchange becomes the story. Just based on simple miscommunication, right? If Jim, he said it himself, I'm not telling tales out of school. He talked about it on his radio show Thursday that had he known that, he just simply wouldn't have asked the question, answered the question, which is, that's, that's his prerogative. But he was surprised that he got the question because they didn't know what they didn't know. So you see where I'm going here? Post-game environments, for whatever reason, create a stir. Jim Beheim is in a frame of mind at these post-game press conferences where stuff, and this wasn't even a press conference moment, this was a one-on-one interview afterwards, where stuff happens that commands attention for all the wrong reasons. He has every right to talk to Pete Thamel or anybody wants to, and again, let me reiterate this, and I'm going to play some clips from his ACC media call today that make a lot of sense about these issues, that I was happy to hear him opine on about these issues. But... See, what Jim fails, I think, to recognize right now, or maybe just doesn't care one way or the other, is saying things like, I have a 95% approval rating, right? 95% of Syracuse fans back him. Saying that a local talk show host, where does he get that from when it comes to people discussing his job status, retirement, dissatisfaction with the program, whatever the case may be? I mean, do you think I pull it out of thin air? Do you think that I just come on here and say that just to stir things up? No, it's based on email, Twitter, text, radio show calls, personal phone calls. I mean, name the form of communication. I think I got a couple telegraphs about it. And it wasn't, as I said last week, by the way, it wasn't the usual suspects. I heard from them. Don't get me wrong. You're just going to get a certain faction of people that are dissatisfied with Bayheim. And they're just going to jump on everything he says. And I know those are coming. It's the people I don't normally hear from or have never heard from that said whatever, I mean, pick whatever incidents happen because we've had three of them in the last week that would qualify as kind of outside the normal day-to-day where people are like, I am tired of this, it is embarrassing, and I am exhausted. And the season's not even over yet. That's where I get it from. So to say 95%, now, again, I wrote this today, and I'll say this right off the bat. If Jim Beheim had to run for his job in an election, he would win. But 95%, no one has a 95% approval rating. Santa Claus does not have a 95% approval rating. Chocolate does not have a 95% approval rating. Sex does not have a 95% approval rating. Nothing does. Maybe Tom Hanks. But that's it. Okay, so let's just start there. 
about this delusional bubble you're in here. And that's based on because people don't come, as you said in the article, people don't come up to me and say this, which, let's be honest here, who's going to spot Jim Beheim at Wegmans or at Carabas or somewhere and walk right up to him and be like, bro, you got to retire. <laughs> like, no one does that because of a few factors, right? They still may respect you even though they disagree with you. They're starstruck. They're polite, right? How many people do I walk by at Wegmans? Like, bro, that show sucks. Nobody says it to me in person because, look, that's a reflection of the society we're in today. It's something I have to be careful of. Something I have to be very careful of. I can't base all this on digital interaction. It's easy for someone to go on Twitter or email me or have a non-face-to-face interaction. You got to retire. Like, that's easy to do. So I believe me, I take all that into consideration. But where do I get it from? That's where I get it from. I have the receipts. So I'm not pulling this out of thin air. This, that's my responsibility in this job, to listen, to talk to people, to solicit opinions from all sorts of walks of life and then kind of distill it into what we talk about. I'm not always right about that. but So I'm not pulling that out of thin air. Then there's, it's my decision. Look, I'm not surprised by that. No one should be surprised by that. And as I wrote today, what I have questioned for a while and continue to question, although I think Jim dropped a couple of breadcrumbs in that Pete Thamel thing, that if you have to rebuild the team based on who comes back, right? We are in such a transformative era in college sports that a number of players could go because we're in the transfer portal era. We're in the name, image, and likeness era. We're in a go early to the pros, even if you're not ready for the pros era, right? Based on how much he's got to rebuild next year's team, that could affect him because Mike Bray looked at that and said, uh-uh, I'm out of here. As Jim noted, Jay Wright, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, I think everybody kind of said this just isn't worth the headache anymore. And I think Jim had some really good things to say about that today, and I'm going to play back in the next segment that he discussed on the ACC media call. So that might be the backbreaker, to be fair. But for Jim to say it's my decision, he should obviously have a major say in that because no one has put more skin in the game when it comes to Syracuse basketball than him but he should not be the lone voice in that. Syracuse basketball is not a family business. It quite literally was past couple of years, right? You are still the steward of a basketball program, and you have to ask yourself as honestly as you can, and I just don't know if he can. Am I doing this because it's what's best for the program, or am I doing this because it's what's best for me? Because I like this job, and I like being a coach, and I like – Whatever it is, going for the opportunity to coach for 50 years, or I don't know what his motivations are. He he can certainly discuss that. See, because Jim is always going to think he's the answer to that question. And by the way, that's a compliment. Like, he is so competitive that he'll always find a way to move the puzzle pieces around like, eh, we can do this. So I think some people didn't like that. I think people are just exhausted by this is how the program is being represented, by once again, the most front-facing employee of Syracuse University. And these are all issues that I want his opinion on, that you should want his opinion on. 
But when it turns into this, well, that's not what I meant, and I got to apologize, and I got to backtrack on this, these were avoidable mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody misspeaks. I do it 20 times a show. But, man, when you're talking to Pete Thamel in this instance, whatever the instance may be, but let's look at this specific instance, what you need to see blinking above his head is ESPN, 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 because this is going to go national. And it's a big subject because Pete did have some details in there that we've kind of heard before, but maybe we really haven't in this way. And to say I'm probably coming back next year, like that's going to be a big deal. But then you read the other stuff and you go through it and you're like, whoa, hold on, what's that? And it's just like four or five things that, like, come on, man, you can't screw that up, especially in light of what we just went through. And again, the common denominator here is this all, not 100%, not 95%, but a lot of the stuff that we've talked about lately and we talk about often come from where? Post-game. Adrenaline's flowing, win or lose. And for whatever reason, Jim says things in these environments that cause a stir. When Jim's on his radio show, when Jim's doing calls, he's doing interviews here, we typically don't get that kind of, now Jim exaggerates and he, he's prone to hyperbole and you just kind of have to roll with the punches on that in some ways. But like I said, I want to be fair here and play the clips from ACC media day today. Cause I listened to those. I was like, yes, that makes sense. I want your opinion on that. Who wouldn't want his opinion on that? Agree or disagree on the state of the sport? Because no one's seen it more than him. Not only how it applies to Syracuse, but how it applies to the sport. But how often can you just let somebody step in dog poop and let them walk by you thinking it doesn't smell? I mean, are Kent Severud and John Wildhack and anybody else you want to put in this thing just like kind of slap in their knee like it's an 80s sitcom with the studio audience laughing? Oh, that's so Jim. How often are you going to let that happen? How often can you tolerate that? It's, it's easier to tolerate when... You know, they're winning 20 games. They're ranked in the top 25. They're going to tournaments year in and year out. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that should be the reason it's tolerated, but we all know a lot of things get tolerated when you're winning. Now that you're in that spotlight a little tighter, now that the margin for error is slim, now that people are watching things like this so much more closely because some people feel like a change needs to be, whatever the motivation may be, people are kind of, in a mood because the team's not where it should be. It's not meeting the standard that was set. It's the other side of the coin, right? It's just unnecessary. Sometimes that's by design, right? And Jim is smart enough to know, I'm going to take the bait. The media is going to take the bait. I don't, I don't want to sound like Trump here, the media. But he's smart enough to know sometimes what he says will be consumed everywhere but then there's times like this where maybe he thinks he's getting something across and it turns into something completely different and it's just like come on man this is exhausting and i don't want him and i don't think he ever will frankly but i don't want jim to clam up i like that jim expresses himself that he shoots from the hip that he's honest it's not always right but this stuff is so easily avoidable it's like come on of all the things here like if he said something about nil that was 
uh, controversial. That was people disagreed with, but it's like, okay, that's your opinion. That's one thing, right? Tit for tat, back and forth. We have a discussion. But to just flat out accuse programs that aren't doing what they're doing and have to walk that back and to say 95% and some of these things, it's like, come on, man, come on. I think a lot of this concern and a lot of this exhaustion, it comes from a, a good place for people that just don't want to see this go down a road where it's like, this is not going to end well. I think people, whenever it ends, and the ending was brought up again here, they want to see it end gracefully. They want to celebrate it. They want this to come to a natural conclusion. That doesn't always happen in sports. Look at what Tom Brady's going through right now. And we can go through 100 stories of when people walked away that was on good terms or not. That is the opinion of a local talk show host. We'll talk about it more next. And I want to play some things that Jim said today on the ACC media call that make a ton of sense about all this, right? Sometimes you just got to take a breath, think it through, and then give an opinion. on that. I'm not telling him what to do and how to do it. He's a 78-year-old man that can do what he wants to do. But this happens more often than it should. ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is On The Block with Brent Axe. That it is, friends. Welcome back or uh, welcome aboard. If that describes you, uh, just hopping on here. Where you been? We've been here since four. Come on, people. On the radio and on QSportsTalk.com, where you can watch a radio show as it happens. This concept just continues to amaze me to no end. 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter. And the live chat, humming at QSportsTalk.com. We were just talking during the QSportsTalk.com break because they get their own show, their own conversation, their own content during uh, radio breaks about um, this is the kind of directions we veer off into sometimes. Side hustles on Instagram and TikTok with dogs. Somebody in our chat knows someone that has a dog and they're on Instagram and they get like a million and a half views a month and they're making like 10 grand. I'm like, so you're telling me I can sign up on the TikTok. I'm not on the TikTok yet. Give all my personal information to China and I'm going to get 10 grand in return to watch Blaze the dog do his crazy antics. I think we got a fair trade here. I'm in. I I think we got something here. Just let me keep the ten grand. You can take all my other personal information. Just that ten grand I'm making on that side hustle. Don't be touching that now, okay? Can make a deal on that. Uh, there was a basketball game Saturday. You guys remember that? Syracuse closed out a game on Saturday. Now it was not against a quad one team. It was not against the teams you need to be closing against. Oh, ABC always be closing, right? But coffee was consumed because while I felt like Syracuse was going to win that game, there were some things that had to be adjusted in the second half in order for that to happen. Benching Judah Mintz, I think, was necessary, and I loved how he responded to it, right? Because the the quickest way you're going to go to the bench in Jim Beheim's world is a defensive miscue of sorts. That was the case. 
He sat a considerable amount of time for Judah, who's usually pretty much in the whole game, short of a couple of breaks here and there for Saimir or just kind of natural flow of the game stuff. And he had a huge response. Now, the story of that game, obviously, was Jesse. But here's Jim Beheim on how Judah bounced back after some struggles. When he struggled, he struggled. The reason I took him out the last time, he didn't run back on defense. You know, I mean, that's a fundamental thing you got to do. And the other time I took him out, he didn't stop Langford. Langford drove the length of the court and made a layup. And he's worrying about something that happened on offense. And you, know, you, you can't make those mistakes. In some games when he struggled like that, he hasn't been able to go back in and play well. He went back in, he made two great, great passes and uh, got to the foul line and also hit that little corner jump shot. So, I mean, he really played well at, down the stretch after struggling. Jesse Edwards won the Battle of Netherlands against Quentin Post with 27 points. We got down once before. And you- Whoops, wrong clip. Here it is. Well, you know, he's, uh, you know, Post is a physical player. He's a good player. And uh, I thought Jesse had a, he made some shots I haven't seen him make before. So that's a good that's a good thing. Made a couple hooks and he, he he played really he was really really good. Post is good. And when they had the miss when he was out, we were able to find him. And we didn't move very well off Jesse. We need to move better off him. Um, we did. Chris got three open threes, and we got a couple other open looks, and just didn't make them. The significant thing there is you're doing this against somebody that. Now, the first game, Quentin Post had just been back. Quentin Post was as hot as anybody in the ACC. Gives a presence in the paint. Somebody that could guard Jesse Edwards. And Jesse owned him. Donna DeToter wrote a great piece about how that's going to be a subject of conversation between those two over the summers, right? But, man, when Jesse's on like that and you feed Jesse and he's feeling it, but what Jim said there is notable in the sense of making some shots he doesn't normally make and – Look, I think this team flows as Joe Girard flows, and Girard got to the free throw line. Syracuse outscored BC at the free throw line, what was it, 21-3, something insane like that, because hashtag free throws matter. We'll talk to Joe tomorrow, as we do every Tuesday on the show. He didn't have a great game, but he had you know 18 points in the box score, of which you will take anyway. If half of that is free throws, whatever. You needed a bounce back from Joe. You needed a strong performance from Jesse. Judah bounced back from a bad half. We even saw Benny Williams back out there and to everything at this point here. That boat could start rocking again, but we've entered calm seas now after his personal day and whatever happened behind the scenes that we're not privy to, but there he was back on the court, right? Uh, I did want to play another clip, though, because, look, this was not Miami, North Carolina, Pittsburgh, Virginia, but you closed the game. And that's been a subject of some debate about how you do that. Not that Syracuse hasn't done it in other games. They just haven't done it in a game that matters. But as Bayheim notes here, the P words, poised and patient. We got down once before and used a timeout and came back. And then that at that point, we set Jesse up for the lob that has worked for us. And, and uh, we got that. So we, to get that basket right away, I think kind of stabilized us a little bit. And then we made some really good plays down the stretch. Um, had better patience and better movement and uh, did some really good things. 
One more from Bayheim. Well, Jordan made two really good passes and hit a pull-up, hit his foul shots. Joe hit a big uh, inbounds play basket coming off Jesse. They've been taking that away, but he, he got it. And uh, we made a, a couple better defensive stops. A couple times we should have had rebounds. We're just not getting some of those rebounds and you know that you have to get at end of games. We didn't get them in the Virginia game and it cost us and we didn't get them here. And uh, it didn't cost us, but it still will cost you. But that's not why you're here, right? That's not what you came to hear. You came to hear about what Bayheim was saying, right? That's what we should be focusing on today. But Jim's going to Jim. That's so Jim. Right? Where's that uh, canned studio audience laughter from a 1980 sitcom that we did? 95% approval rating. That's so Jim, right? It's my decision. That's so Jim. Wake Forest and Pitt buying teams. That's so Jim. <sighs> Again, just unnecessary. That I want. These are topics I want him to discuss, but these are so avoidable. They're so avoidable. They're just, it's throwing me to the wolves. Here we are again. Again, sometimes this is by design. I think sometimes, okay, look at the shiny thing here. I picked on the reporter instead of talking about the loss, and that's what you focus on. That's what you consume until the next time. It's just been one misstep after the other. That does not fall into the category of any PR is good PR, right? As they say, just spell my name right. Local talk show host. Right. Is that what's on my license? I should check. I did renew my license recently. Maybe that's what it says on there. I don't know. That's B-R-E-N-T-A-X-E. Comma local talk show host. Anyway, hi, Pete. This is what we're talking about today. We're talking about not only what Jim Beheim said, but what Jim Beheim said about what Jim Beheim said. Because he said the thing, and then he had to retract the thing. And then he was asked about the things that he retracted about the things today at the ACC media call. And I played those clips. I thought those were great insight on the sport, NIL, where we're going, what's happening. These are opinions I want from Jim Beheim. But sometimes, more often than not, in these post-game environments, this was not in a press conference. This was in a one-on-one chat with Pete Thamel afterwards. But there's something about what's in the air after a game. Adrenaline's flowing. I don't know. That stupid things get said. That get consumed everywhere. That get shared. That go viral. And you want a game. You want a game you needed to win. Pete, uh, pardon me, Jim is free to talk to whoever he wants, Pete Thamel or not, about whatever he wants. And if he's asked about retirement and he wants to discuss the subject and it's on the record, great. That's his prerogative. I've always appreciated that about Behan, that he's willing to do that, that he'll go off the, the page a little bit, that he's honest with you. But we're seeing the results of this. and These are easily avoidable things that distract from what your team did. And in this case, they won a game. Is it about you or is it about the team? Because you got to know if you're talking to Pete Thamel from ESPN about your future, that's going to make some waves. I'm not trying to imply anything here, but 
maybe that's by design. Maybe we're starting to plant the seeds here. Maybe you took advantage of the opportunity. It's one thing with those typical Syracuse people write about and talk about, right? But you know, Pete Thamel writes on ESPN.com that I probably are going to come back next year. It starts to put things in motion, right? And Jim was feeling it. It's my decision. I got a 95% approval rating. Where does this local talk show host get this stuff about retirement? Nobody, nobody talks to me about that. <laughs> nobody... Nobody comes up to me at Wegmans and says that. Of course they don't, right? He didn't say Wegmans in the, in the story. You get what I'm saying. But, I mean, you go through that article, and I brought this up earlier in the show. I'm getting, if anything, just let Uncle Brent sleep, and can we deal with this in the morning? But I'm getting texts at midnight from people. Did you see this? And I'm like, oh, what now? Right? So often. Now, again, if Jim says something that you don't agree with, like let, let's focus on his comments about, well, I'm the one that makes the decision. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. You may not like that. There's a process we can talk about. I wrote a whole column about it today. That's one thing. I'm fine with that. Does it distract from what you did on the court on Saturday? Sure, but I, look, I can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time. But what this did, given all the layers that were in the stories, it created so many different distractions, so many different conversations that shouldn't be done in that way in some cases. That it, it, the, You are supposed to be doing what's best for your team. Is this what's maybe it, in some weird way you think that's what's best for your team? But because the patience level of people on things that – can be perceived as here are the words I'm, I'm getting from people. Cause when Jim asks and that now this was about a different subject, but I'll generalize it. When he says, where do you get this from? I get it from the people because they don't come up to you and say, you should retire. They come up to me and say that because that's just the seat I'm in as a talk show host and a columnist and part-time sports therapist. So, I mean, I'll show you the emails. Someone will write me an email based on incident of the day and vent about it, and then I'll write them back and thank them for their email and just kind of go through the things, and here's what I agree with, here's what I disagree with. Here's what I get 95% of the time back if you want to use that number. Thank you for hearing me out. But people just want to be heard. Just thank you. I've, I've had this on my mind. Keyword, I'm frustrated with this. Another word I'm hearing is exhausted. Another word I'm hearing is embarrassed. It's like a word bubble that keeps popping up from all these things. Now, again, someone in my position has to be careful about basing everything on digital interactions because it's easy to fire off an email. It's easy to fire off a tweet. It's quite another thing to find somebody face-to-face -face and express that opinion. That has happened to me. had a nice conversation with a gentleman. I don't know if you want me to say his name on the radio. I'll say a first name. I don't think that's bad. Shout out to Sean who I saw at Wegmans, pulled me aside. It was very polite, very nice. And he just basically is like, dude, what's going on with Bayon? That's the interaction I get time after time. The text messages I'm getting time after time. I'm getting probably a few telegraphs. There's probably, do we still have a fax machine? Because I bet you there's some faxes on this. And in some way, shape, or form, that's what I'm getting. Dude, what is going on with this? What is happening? And a lot of it, by the way, 
for what it's worth, is like out of concern. Like, is, is everything okay up there? Is he okay? Because this seems to be beyond like the just usual expressions of frustration about a team that's not doing as well as they should be or whatever the case may be. But this has become it, it, its own animal. Not that it hasn't before. As I will always tell you sitting in the seat that I do, okay, you know what I root for? I root for interesting. At the heart of it, at the end of the day, Jim is interesting, and Jim is going to tell you how he feels, and Jim is just in effort mode at this point. He always has been, but he's really in it now at 78 years old. I think of my father who had that expression. I'm trying to edit myself here for the radio, but he would come across, he would say this about Bayheim sometimes, and he would, <laughs> I'm just thinking of it now. Like, She's got a case of the efforts, right? So that's great, but see, when you have a case of the efforts, things get said that you have to put out hollow retractions about that you know was written by, you know, some lawyer. And again, why? For what? You are better than that. The subjects that P. Thamel brought up in that article, I think there was some insightful things in there that get lost in the shuffle of Wake Forest is buying teams or whatever big splashy thing that people will chew on because they just don't either read the whole thing, listen to a whole uh, press conference. They lose context in these things. It's a soundbite society. I, I, I know that Jim understands that. And I think he understands, like, when you're talking to somebody like Pete, like, what's blanking above Pete Thamel's head? ESPN, ESPN, ESPN. So I spent a few minutes talking about the team. And I'm thinking while I'm discussing it, like, that's not why people are tuning in right now. Right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, I can drive the conversation. I can take a stand. Paulie and I were joking about it during the break. Like, tomorrow, we're going to have a band Bayheim day. We're, we're just kidding about it. But it's like, that's like, man, we're just doing this again. I mean, it, hey, it's great for me. It's great for us. It's interesting. But it is also taking away from what the point of the conversation should be and has happened way too often by avoidable decisions. Shoot from the hip decisions. I don't like your attitude. Walking out of a press conference, which, again, I didn't have a huge issue with. When someone brought up why you're not closing games, eh, okay, we're done. I, I actually didn't really have a big issue with that. I thought the question was fair. But he can walk out when he wants to walk out. It's his show. And now we have this. And now everybody's on edge, waiting for the next thing. Which coincides with this team. Now, they won on Saturday, so there's a little, you know, little. you take the tea kettle off the burner a little bit so it's not screaming as loud. But it'll, it'll be on again soon. Especially with, somebody brought this up earlier in the show, Jim in Pennsylvania, shout out to him. See, now more of the P. Thamels of the world are going to start coming around. And national reporters are looking at this. Wait, he's got a, he's got who bringing rappers to games? Like, I'm seeing a lot of national reporters that are kind of getting on this. Like, wait, they're doing what at Syracuse? And Syracuse, remember, doesn't exactly have the cleanest slate here. And I'm not just talking about the past about NCAA investigations and the thing, the missteps there. I'm talking about, like, you're saying Pitt and Wake Forest are doing this. You literally just bought a player. 
That's pay for play. You can you can you know put all the lipstick on that pig you want. That's a pig, right? Oh, that's not pay for play. That's uh, that's pay for charity, right? That's that's not name, image, and likeness. That's uh, no, he's just a representation of Weitzman Incorporated. That's pay for play. That is pay for play. Now that's within the rules we're we're playing with. And I played that clip earlier from Bayheim when he talked about it on the ACC media call. I'm not criticizing that, but see. The more you stir up the bee's nest, the more people are going to start looking at things. And it's like, even in this world where we're just out and it's just the Wild West and it's NIL and as Jim called it, his words, an awful place we're in in college basketball. Why invite more scrutiny? Why just continue to poke the bear and put things out there that are frustrated fan base? is just going to, there's a great uh, gift that you can find where it's just collective people just smacking their foreheads from different movies. That is Syracuse fans right now. It's not 95%, but it's enough, right? It is enough where it's like, come on. And it's, uh, again, I want to be fair here. It all comes from, I think, a good place. A lot of people are like, Jim, we love what you have done for this program. We appreciate you. We love you. Stop doing this. Stop embarrassing us. Stop embarrassing the school. Stop embarrassing whoever you want to put in this because you're better than this. And I truly believe that. That's where I think a lot of this comes from. Now, there's other subjects up for debate. I wrote a column about today about the retirement thing. You know, it's like the soup of the day. Oh, it's a Bayheim retirement again today. I had that last week, right? I don't think... This whole, like, I'm the only one making the decision thing is good in the sense of Jim's always going to think he's the answer to the question because he's that competitive. He, he will look at the puzzle and say, I can solve this. Now, the crumb that was in, the breadcrumb that was in Pete Thamel's piece was about, if they, gotta, if they lose enough players off this, remember, there's no recruits in the class of 2023 currently. Okay, they're looking at Marcus Adams. He might requalify for 2023, but as of now, there's no one there. This is not like last year when Jim knew. He was even talking about it this time last year on his radio show and other places. Like, we've got all these freshmen coming in. We're going to have a complete transition. This is going to be a different team. Like, he was fiercely committed. Like, you knew he was coming back, and that was the main catalyst for it. Now NIL has taken on a whole new life. There's no commits uh, in the class of 2023 currently. So can he honestly answer the most important question? I think the competitor in him will always kick in and say, yes, I can do this. And if that's truly the case, he should have the biggest say in the decision, but he is still an employee of Syracuse University. He is still a steward of a program. He is not the program. He's the biggest name in the program, but this is not a family business. This is not Jim Beheim's butcher shop. This is not Jim Beheim's barber shop. This is Syracuse University basketball, and it is your responsibility to make a decision that is best for that, not for you. If those two happen to coincide, great. But I'm not saying anything I don't think Jim doesn't know. But I think we're past the whole I'm the lone decision maker here and see people have a problem with that. When you see that in print, when you see that in in an ESPN article, that's entitlement. It's narcissism. It's arrogance. Okay. I don't know how it was said, 
things tend to get lost in context and print, take it from a columnist, okay? But people see that in this state we're in where things are a little touchy, and it's like, I don't think you need to be doing that right now. It's your choice. You can talk to Pete Thamel or whoever you want anytime. But you see what I'm saying here? Like, at the very least, interesting. At the very least, it's that.